0: Hey, everybody. Ed Stetzer here, the Dean of the Talbot School of Theology. So excited to open God's Word with you. Grace Chapel, Lexington, Wilmington, Watertown, East Lexington, Foxborough, and online. So, uh, the, we're in the series about beginnings and we're looking back, drawing from the Genesis narrative, but also pointing forward to the mission in the case we're all talking about specifically today. So I want you to Have your Bible and follow along with me. It's in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 is going to be the text. And and then we're going to go from there and we're going to end up in John chapter 20. Why? Because the big idea here is that God is on a mission, sending Abram, uh, Abraham, we call him later, Jesus, and ultimately you, blessed to be a blessing. We're going to look at several things to sort of walk through these two passages. We're going to start, as throughout this series, Going to the beginning and looking at these beginnings. In this case, the beginning of the mission. The beginning of the mission. So, number one on our outline, if you're a note taker, is God is on a mission. God is on a mission. I'm going to get to the biblical text in point number two, but I want to give you some systematic theology of mission before we get there. Because it's important that you understand that it's not that, for example, it's not that Grace Chapel needs to find a mission, it's that. Grace Chapel joins in Jesus' mission. It's not that a church needs to find its mission. It's that God's mission has a church. So we start with number one, God is on a mission. And that reminds us to start that mission is rooted in the identity of God himself. It is God who sends because he is a sender. Maybe you've studied the attributes of God in a Bible study class. He's holy. He's just. He's merciful. He's righteous. He's righteous. And sometimes people forget he is a sender by his very nature. So that's why going back to the beginning and seeing the sending nature of God, how he sends his people, how he sends Jesus, who sends his disciples, who sends us. So God sends by nature. God is a sender. And we're starting with a theological category and an ontological attribute. This is part of who God is at his very nature, God is a sender. God sends. So in this focus on beginnings, we're going to consider the beginning of the mission. So we're actually started with a theological category. God is on a mission, right? The identity uh, mission is rooted in the identity of God himself, and it begins with God. But we get to go see the human beginning of when we see the first person sent on mission and it's a powerful moment. It actually something that people all around the world look to, right? We talk about people have sing songs, Father Abraham and many sons and many sons and Father Abraham, which leads us to number two. Two main passages, remember Genesis 12 and John 20. All right, let's look at number two and jump into the biblical text. We've laid some theological foundation. Let's jump into the biblical text. Number two, God sends Abram first. Now, he's going to be Abraham later, but he's Abram now. God sends Abram first. He's the first person in the Bible with an explicit sending command, right? God tells him to go. We're going to look at that. We're going to actually read the text in just a moment because there's so much here. For example, we're going to learn that he was blessed to be a blessing. We're going to see that today, as fathers of Jesus, we are blessed to be a blessing. So remember, God is on a mission Sending Abram, Jesus, and ultimately you, blessed to be a blessing. So let's look at the biblical text, right? It's in, it's in Genesis chapter, chapter 12, and you can just look along with me or turn on your Bible and follow along. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great, a great nation, and I will bless you and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, um, Abram, later Abraham, is a powerful figure in the history of the world. Um, Muslims around the world, Jews around the world, and Christians around the world all point to Abraham in their lineage. So billions of people see Abram Abraham as an origin story of their own journey. Now, we're going to see specifically how God sends Abram. Why? Because God is a sender by his very nature. Mission is rooted in the identity of God himself. God is on a mission sending Abram. How ultimately the sending and the promises in this sending, for example, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Ultimately, a descendant of Abram slash Abraham named Jesus and would then impact all peoples, and that blessing would go all around the world. But I want you to begin by seeing this phrase. It's gonna be key for what we talk through here. It's blessed to be a blessing. It's blessed to be a blessing. Okay, so looking back at the biblical text here, just get a picture of what's going on. A few things not to miss, um, it says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Now, now, I want to share with you a little of my own story, because this passage is actually repeated in the book of Acts, actually quoted, paraphrased a bit, in the book of Acts. And in that paraphrase, um, it actually says what, what the Lord said to Abram. And God used this in, in my life and in Donna's life. Uh, we were we just uh, were graduating college. We got married while we we're in college at 20, don't tell our daughters. Um, and and here we were just praying through, seeking the Lord about what's next. And we were reading through the book of Acts, and this passage talks about, you know, leaving your country and going into another place, et cetera, et cetera, really ended up ministering to us. Now, again, it wasn't that, you know, it's not like God's not calling us to be Abram or Abraham, but in the passage, it, it talks about this. It's it's in it's in uh it's in Acts chapter seven. And it says this, leave your country and your people and go into the land that I will show you. Right? This is, this, is, uh, this is Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin actually citing what Abram, later Abraham, it gets renamed. I keep saying that. I should tell you it gets renamed, uh, did. So, so the Lord actually used that passage to prompt us to reconsider where we were and to move into the inner city of Buffalo, New York, to plant a church among the urban poor in 1988 it wasn't a great time to make that move. It was in the middle of the crack epidemic of the late 80s, early 90s. Buffalo was the fastest shrinking city in America, but God sent us there. It wasn't necessarily our people, our context. We got to plant a multi ethnic church among the urban poor. Learned so much. Was blessed by God in the process. Why? Because we picked up on the fact not that 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 passage describing Abraham's call is an exact replica or an exact model of everyone else's call, but we wanted to be open to what the Lord had for us. And what that passage reminded us of was what later I would say, you put your yes on the table and let God put it on the map. When it comes to joining Jesus on his mission, you put your yes on the table and let God put it on the map. So so Babylon, you know, here he's over in Ur, you know, he's in, he's, he's in the, the shadow of, of Babylon. He's in what we'd call today Iraq. And, and, and God calls him to a new and to a different place. And so it might be for us when we join Jesus on mission or maybe to engage the place we're in because God is on a mission and it's so explicit, so clear. He's sending Abram, Jesus, and ultimately you blessed to be a blessing. All right, let's look at number three on our outline. Number one was God is on a mission. Number two is God sends Abram first. There's the beginnings of the mission. I wanted to be careful because I wanted to start before the recorded beginnings of the mission where God sends Abram. That's why I gave you point number one because actually mission didn't start with Abram, Abraham. Mission is rooted in the identity of God himself. So God is on a mission, number one. Number two, God sends Abraham first in our Bibles. And number three, God sends Jesus in fullness. God sends Jesus in fullness. Let's look at what happens now. Now, this is a transitionary point till we get to John 20. I told you the two main passages were Genesis 12 and John 20, but there's a connection between them, right? As God is on a mission sending Abram, that's the beginnings, part of our theme and our series here, and then sending Jesus, we're going to get to that right now, and then ultimately you, we're going to get to that in point number four, and how we're blessed to be a blessing. Just like Abram and Abraham and his descendants were blessed to be a blessing, now we as followers of Jesus are blessed to be a blessing. That beginning has a middle and a mission, and then ultimately an end when it's all accomplished. But God sends Jesus in fullness is number three. And the passage that reminds us of that is actually in the book of Galatians, chapter 4 and verse 4. Here's what it says. It says, But when the set time had come, in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. So so he is the, uh, the, the, the embodiment of the mission, the fullness of what it means to be on mission. And we're going to join Jesus in his mission. Abraham Abraham was on mission because God sent Abraham. But Jesus, in the fullness of time, has come. He is the embodiment of God's mission. God the Father sends God the Son. God the Father sends God the Holy Spirit. He is a sender by nature, God is on a mission, It's here in our text, sending Abram at the beginnings, Jesus, and ultimately you, blessed to be a blessing. So again, Jesus is the embodiment of that mission. It's through Jesus that all the nations of the earth are ultimately blessed, fulfilling the very promise at the beginning of Abraham. So now I want to get into the heart. Now, if you're doing time, you're like, Ed, you've really moved through three points quickly. I have. That's partly because I'm a New Yorker. So forgive me for talking fast, but I think we do that pretty much in Boston as well. But number four is going to be where we spend most of our time. It's going to be the heart of our message today. And we're going to walk through, um, on, on number four, a series of steps. Now, I want you to come take your Bible. I really like it. If you have a paper, Bible, just open it and follow along with me to John chapter 20 because I'm going to encourage you to mark down a couple of things. John chapter 20. Now, I've told you from the very beginning that God is a sender by his very nature. He's on a mission. He sends. But what I don't want you to miss is that the Gospel of John is written by, of course, a guy named John. And there's three, three other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke tend to take a uh, wide-angle lens view of Jesus' life. They tell you from his birth, and you could, all, the, all like a lot of content across his life. John, on the other hand, really focuses in— and in focusing in, he focuses in on a short time period in Jesus' life, like a week. This gets a lot of attention. But he also brings details to us that relate to what took place in that beginning passage, right? God sends Abram, Abraham. Actually, we see this throughout the pages of Scripture, right? We see God, God sending Jonah. We see God sending prophets. We see God sending his people to the nations to bring them up to Jerusalem to give him praise. God is a sender. By his very nature, but now John, the detail giving gospel writer, John loves to give us details. John, the detail giving gospel writer, wants us to be sure that we see that God has sent Jesus. So how do we how do we know that? Well, here's what's interesting. By the time we get to John chapter twenty, John has recorded Jesus saying forty times that the Father has sent him, over and over again. Jesus says. The father has sent me, I'm sent for the father's name and the father's purpose, I'm sent. Over and over again, he says he's sent. And then at the end of the gospel of John, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me read the passage and then we'll see what happens, right? Here we find ourselves in John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Okay, so let me tell you about um, teaching and preaching what you already know. I mean, you don't, you don't, I hope you know that Grace Chapel is just people look at Grace Chapel all over the world. Its reputation, its impact in New England, uh, uh, the, the 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 impact that it continues to make being this significant church that's ministering uh, in and around this entire region and ultimately through global missions around the world. I, I think sometimes when you're in a church like Grace Chapel, you sort of think that's normal. And And, you know, I've been a church researcher for about 15 years now. I have files on tens of thousands of churches, and we have a section for churches like yours. We call them We call them freakishly abnormal churches uh, for the kingdom of God. And and that's a good thing. Um, So your church is amazing. And you might think that it's normal that the church sort of looks this way, but it's not. You're 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 not a normal church, and God's using you in surprising and powerful ways. Matter of fact, as you look to the future, he's gonna continue to use you exceeding abundantly beyond all we might ask or think. So so the question is, is how? Here you are at a unique special church in an area of the country that's particularly irreligious and unchurched, uh, living on mission. And how is that gonna happen? Well, I think it's always important for us as we went back to the beginning, right? We look at God sending Abram to a country he did not know, to a place he did not know. And here we are as followers of Jesus in the Northeastern United States. You know, I grew up in the Northeast United States. Um, we, We come to a place like New England that is once a hotbed of religious activity and Christian devotion to now being the most unchurched region of the country. But, and then, then we do it in, this year, in 2023, perhaps the most tumultuous and turbulent time last few years of our lifetime, and, and, and probably gonna get worse before it gets better. The, the world's divided, we're not living in normal times, it's a unique time of turbulence and tumult, and it's complicated and challenging, and, and, and there's no better time, I think, to go back to the Gospel, in this case, in one of the Gospels, to look for what the Lord has for us. So, that being said, we're 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 walking through this idea of how we're sent god is on a mission sending abram jesus and ultimately you blessed to be a blessing it's a mission and the moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on abram was on a mission in tumultuous and turbulent times the disciples well let's let's visit where they are okay so remember they're they're now walking through this time it's right after jesus resurrection we actually know that because it says, on the evening of that first day of the week, that's actually Easter Sunday night, the disciples were together with doors locked. So what's going on? Well, first thing I want you to see is even though it starts negatively, John is leading us to a picture that they're sent in faith. They're sent in faith. Let me, let me give you an example. Um, well, we can actually read it in the text. It says in John twenty nineteen. right? They're sent in faith. In John twenty nineteen, it says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Now, you say, Ed, that doesn't sound like they're sent in faith. Well, no, that's the contrast John's trying to make. They should be living in faith. Mary Magdalene had just reported to them that Jesus was back from the dead. Uh, they should be ready to go out in faith, but instead they're kind of hiding away in fear. They're doors locked in fear. And John is a detail-giving gospel writer, so he doesn't, like, casually say, that And he didn't just write that accidentally, that they're behind closed doors in fear. He told us the resurrections, the beginning of John 20, right before this passage, Mary Magdalene tells the disciples, so they know Jesus is back from the dead, and their response is not faith but fear, but Jesus is going to point us to a better way. Now, why why did they respond that way? Well, you know, in some ways we don't really know. I mean, my, we can make some guesses, and I think we can make some good guesses. There's that in all likelihood, part, partly because they, they responded that way, is because maybe they didn't really believe Jesus was back. Maybe they didn't know how to respond to the idea that Jesus was back. But either way, they found themselves uh, responding in fear when they're sent in faith. We're going to get to that in just a minute. They're also sent in peace. They're sent in peace. Remember, the moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on. But boy, does it feel like a moment that lacks peace. People are mad all over. They're mad at one another. They're angry with one another. 2,000 years ago, they were afraid, and they were hiding. Uh, centuries before that, with Abram being sent uh, in the midst of a time when it was people were threatening one another, when death was, could be assured in some of these contexts, still, still, Jesus says to his people they're sent in peace. He actually, well, let's look at verse 19, the second part. It says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Those four words are really key. He doesn't say once, he says them twice. And you might hear those four words and think, well, is that just a standard greeting? Well, it's a greeting, but saying it twice, the first words, it maybe points us to something else, that they needed a peace that passes all understanding. And we know those verses, right? If you've been to church for any length of time, you've probably heard somebody mention Philippians chapter four, verse seven, which says this, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So there it is, right? So so they're in a tumultuous and turbulent time 2,000 years ago, and they should have a peace that passes all understanding. That's what the Bible teaches. Today, we're in a tumultuous and turbulent time, and we should have a peace that passes all understanding. It's not an absence of problems, right? The culture's turning in increasingly negative directions. Christians are facing hostility in some cases and and, and outright rejection in others. And and it's not an easy time to walk through some of the division and some of the brokenness that's here. But we still walk in a peace that passes all understanding. We we, we walk that way. Why? Because of Jesus. Ephesians 2.14 says, he himself is our peace. And John, the gospel writer, the detail-giving gospel writer, in John chapter 14, verse 27, actually says this. Peace I leave with you. So he already says earlier, John records Jesus saying earlier, peace I leave with you. So when Jesus comes and says, peace be with you, it's not a surprise to them. He says, my peace I give to you. This is John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Okay, so we're just kind of walking through point number four. Jesus sends us on mission. Remember, the moment we're in doesn't pause the mission we're on. We got that we're sent in faith we got that we sent we're sent in peace let's also not miss that we're sent in joy it says this in john chapter 20 verse 20 it says after he said this he showed them his hands and his side the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the lord now it's interesting because they can be overjoyed for a lot of reasons maybe they're just overjoyed because they're friends back from the dead i mean if you saw somebody die on friday and come back from the dead and come to your house on sunday Uh, Joy might not be your first reaction, but it would be a subsequent reaction, but it gives a little more details than that. It says, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So he pointed to the marks of the crucifixion. I don't want you to miss that. The source of their joy wasn't just that their friend was back from the dead and the miracle that that entailed. The source of their joy was that he died on the cross for their sin and in their place, and that changed everything. And if that's true, If Jesus died on the cross for our sin and in our place, and God raised him from the dead on the third day, that changes everything, and God is still on the throne and still at work in the world. Now, let me tell you why I think that's important. Because I don't know what the future holds. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I work at a nonprofit organization. I don't know. But what I do know is that God is on a mission. Jesus died was crucified, buried, and rose again on the third day. And if that's true, God has a plan. Let me let me explain. I, I a lot of people interviewed Tim Keller. Tim Keller, pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian, not far from uh, not far from where, where we're listening to this message right now. Uh, same region of the country. Tim ministered to many of us. He was uh, for, you know I grew up in a non-Christian home. He was a spiritual father to many of us. But Tim Tim had a uh, phrase that he often used and I, I interviewed him he said this to me and he said this to lots of people I was I would ask him about the tumult and turbulence in the world and how should young pastors and Christian young Christians respond as the world gets gets more hostile and we kind of lost our home field advantage and he would kind of lean back and you know about to say something insightful and maybe maybe I blurted in and said well you know and two how do you walk through this you know you've got a uh, a cancer that that you know, I mean, very low survivability rate, and there he's going through some clinical trials, and and he he would lean back and kind of put his hand on his chin and say, you know, Ed, uh, or whoever he was talking to, um, if the resurrection's true, everything's going to be okay, and I think that's so so powerfully right. See, because they were sent in joy, not just because their friend was back from the dead, they were sent in joy because he's the crucified savior who died on the cross for their sin and in their place and so he shows them his hands and his side and they rejoice when they saw the lord which points us to this truth if we live this is from romans chapter 14 verse 8 when you understand this if the resurrection is true then if we live we live for the lord and if we die we die for the lord so whether we live or whether we die we belong to the lord all right, so remember the big picture what we're talking about here. We're going through talking about how God is on a mission, sending Abram, Jesus, and ultimately you blessed to be a blessing. We started with number 1, God is on a mission, number 2, God sends Abram first. This is our beginning series. Number 3, God sends Jesus in the fullness of time. Number 4, God sends us on a mission. And then we started unpacking what that mission looks like. We're sent in faith, we're sent in peace, we're sent in joy, but then I want to bring this full circle because we are sent, blessed to be a blessing. Remember that language from Genesis chapter 12? Now, if we're gonna join Jesus on his mission, we are sent and blessed to be a blessing. Well, let's look at the text. It's John chapter 20, verse 21. This is the high point of mission in the Gospel of John. It's actually my favorite verse in the whole Bible, just to just give you some full disclosure. It says this: it says, Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. It says it twice. And then here's the key sentence for our conversation today. This is the pushback, the fulfillment of the beginnings of the mission. When we see Abram sent is now now given to all the disciples. It says, as the Father has sent me. Remember, God God sent Abram. God sent Jesus in the fullness of time. And then Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. There it is. There it is. Because you remember the theme we're going through, right? God is on a mission sending Abram. That's the beginnings. Jesus and the fullness of time, and ultimately you, blessed to be a blessing. So Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, at that point, you got to make a decision. Is he talking to me, or is he talking to the disciples? Well, he asked you the answer is yes, because you're the disciples 2,000 years later. He wasn't talking to some special group of apostles. wasn't talking just to missionaries. So all of God's people, join Jesus in mission when they become followers of Jesus. Because Jesus says, hear the words of Jesus, not the words of Ed. Jesus' words are, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. There it is. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So Jesus sends us on mission. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're sent to your workplace, you're sent to your neighborhood, you're sent to your family, you're sent to your friends. Now, again, in obedience to the Lord— Hopefully, you've put your yes on the table and let God put it on the map, because you might have thought sending was just for missionaries. Well, missionaries are sent, too. They're sent differently or in different places. But all of God's people are sent on mission. The only question is where, among whom, and doing what. So if you're a banker, you're sent on mission, serving the Lord in your bank context. The vocation brings glory and honor to God, and you're living on mission in that context. If you're a homemaker, that applies to you. If you're driving a truck, that applies to you. Whatever it is, If you're a follower of Jesus, it applies to you. And boy, it's a tumultuous and turbulent time to seek to apply those truths. Maybe unlike anything we've seen in our lifetime, it's not been this divided since the uh, 1960s in our country. Uh, The Polarization Index is out, and the Polarization Index looks at which countries are most polarized in the world. And we're right up in the upper right-hand corner, number three in the countries that are more polarized. One's a failed state, one's in a de facto civil war. So this is a very divided time. Yet, as followers of Jesus, we can go towards the crisis, towards the brokenness, because we know with confidence Jesus is back from the dead. If the resurrection is true, everything's going to be all right. We're not going to cry, peace, peace, when there is no peace. We're going to speak up, speak out, stand up, show and share the love of Jesus in the midst of a broken and hurting world. Can I tell you a little New York City stuff? I know I know Boston, New York City. Uh, I'm not much into the sports ball, so I don't have the rivalries going on. But my grandfather was one of the fire battalion chiefs in the New York City Fire Department. He oversaw the houses in lower Manhattan. Matter of fact, on 9-11, the house that took the most losses was one of his houses. My my uncle was a New York City cop, very much grew up in that milieu. But my grandfather would tell me stories of the fire department, and I always loved listening to his stories. He'd tell me about how uh, there was a two-alarm fire, and this happened, and it escalated to a blank alarm fire, and it's a bomb scare, or, or an actual bomb. And, and he always ended his stories, and I, I love listening to his stories. He was one of my heroes, and I'm so thankful for first responders, Grace Chapel first responders, first responders everywhere, thank you for your service. My, but my grandfather would always end his stories with something like this. When everyone was running away, we're the people running towards the fire. Sisters and brothers, I think in 2023, that's a great posture for Christians. The world's divided, tumultuous, turbulent, headed the wrong direction in so many ways. May we not be the people who get distracted by all the other things that can distract us or get caught up by all the other things. You know, far too many Christians right now are being discipled by their cable news choices and they're being spiritually shaped by their social media. we, we We don't need that. What we need is Christians discipled by one another in the community of Grace Chapel and beyond in the word of God, having their hearts, minds, and affections shaped by it, in the power of the Holy Spirit, joining Jesus on mission. And that's what Isaiah, let's go back to the Old Testament, some of those beginnings. Isaiah had this amazing encounter with the Lord once, and here's what he said. He said, then I heard, this is Isaiah 6, 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. As we close today, can I just ask you to make that your prayer as well? Because the moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on. The big picture of our message today was God is on a mission, sending Abram, Jesus, and ultimately you, blessed to be a blessing. The Lord is going to bless you, give you new life in Christ. You're blessed to join him on mission. And then you're a blessing, showing and sharing the love of Jesus to a broken and hurting world. So I want to invite you to make this your prayer. Isaiah said, here am I, send me. What a great way for us to respond to the words of Jesus, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Let's pray together. Father, we do indeed pray. We hear the words of Jesus, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And just thinking of your home, your workplace, wherever it may be, you put your yes on the table, let God put it on the map. Just put that in your mind's eye, your neighborhood, those places where you have those relationships, and maybe pray in response to the words of Jesus. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. You heard those words, Now, maybe just pray with me the five words Isaiah prayed. He said, here am I, send me. Maybe pray with me. Here am I, send me. For it's in Jesus' name and his sake we pray. Amen.